The subscription economy is like a Las Vegas buffet. Let me explain what that means. <laughs> What's up? Welcome to Same Same But Tech, a podcast where we explain the most talked about tech buzzwords, one analogy at a time. I'm Mohan, and today is all about the subscription economy and the sharing economy. Let me ask you guys something. Which platform are you listening to this podcast on? Is it Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora? Whatever platform you like to use, it's very likely that there is a subscription feature. And you might even be paying for that subscription to access this podcast. Not that this podcast charges you money. We would most likely never do that. But I'm going to take a wild guess and say you probably didn't download this podcast from a website. And you most definitely did not go to Tower Records and buy our album. That is because you don't need to do all of that and because Tower Records doesn't exist anymore. See, as we all know, podcasts, music, movies, they're all digital now. So you can just stream them straight into your ears and eyes. That means no more CDs and no more DVDs, no more blockbuster video. Instead, we have dozens of options for how to access and subscribe to digital content. Netflix, Spotify, YouTube Premium, Disney+, iTunes, Tinder. We all have a portfolio of subscriptions, a wallet full of logins, which leads us to be a part of what is referred to as the subscription economy, which essentially is just a business model where customers pay a periodic fee to access products or services. Yes, the subscription model has been around a long time. Think about magazines and newspapers. But with the adoption of mobile and apps like YouTube, Netflix, and Spotify, the subscription economy is in a renaissance. Similarly, we've also adopted a sharing economy. Put simply, the sharing economy refers to platforms where you can share products or services peer-to-peer. That can be homes with Airbnb, or rides with Uber or Lyft. Together, subscriptions and sharing are changing the way our economy works, lives, and presses play. In this episode of Same Same, we learn about an economy where we really own nothing, but we somehow have access to almost everything. The subscription economy is like a Las Vegas buffet. Let me explain what that means. <laughs> so you know when you go to Las Vegas and every beautiful casino has these buffets that have everything you could possibly ever want to eat. And you pay some entrance fee, some are, you know, $14.99, some of the nicer ones are like $29.99. And you walk in and you can you have your veritable pick of this bouquet of food. <laughs> a bouquet of food. What an idea. Now, who are you, you magnificent human and buffet aficionado? What a deep question. (laughs) Uh, I'm Sanjay Amin, and I'm the head of subscription partnerships for YouTube Music and YouTube Premium. Sanjay is a very dear friend of our show and a brilliant individual. His spiritual wokeness is only exceeded 
by his knowledge of subscription economies. Specifically, he's an expert in digital subscriptions, which are unique because digital goods do not disappear once you consume them. Not only that, but more than one person can actually consume a digital good at the same time. Now, how can that be? The thing is, it doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Right? Like with the Las Vegas buffet, the more crab legs you eat, the more they have to keep making. In as far as digital subscriptions, I'll make that distinction between sort of digital subscriptions and physical subscriptions. It's sort of like anyone can access that same song file. Right. Or that same title on Netflix. Do you remember going to a record store to buy albums or CDs? <laughs> is that a crazy question to ask? Does anyone even know what a record store is anymore? Well, the reason those wonderful places have mostly disappeared is because the delivery system for recorded music not only went digital, but it also went online. Once that happened, we could download or stream music straight from the internet to our iPhones. Almost overnight, we got rid of CDs, LPs, 45s, 78s, anything physical that spun on a platter or had to be loaded onto a tray. But where did this all start? If you think about most of human history, I hate to start that far back, <laughs> um, we were dealing in physical products, mostly. And there was this idea of owning things. Now, the only exception to that, I think, were like shared resources, libraries, and perhaps some, in some ways, these subscription services are like libraries that you pay for. Second um, bonus analogy. But as humanity came up with new technologies, we were able to uh, take things from physical goods into digital goods that can be shared more easily, right? And so, you know, you went from records to tapes to CDs to digital files, which with Napster you could start sharing, but there was still a, a physical thing mm-hmm. or, or a, a tangible thing that you needed to own. And with the advancements in computing and delivery of media, you don't need to own things anymore. You can just pay to access them. Mm-hmm. And so in, in some ways, it's, it's a way of paying a set amount for access versus paying a larger amount to own something. Because mm-hmm. if you ever, if you actually went into a record store and tried to buy every record, or even in the iTunes era, went into the iTunes store and tried to buy every song, you'd be pretty poor pretty quickly. Right. That is a pretty big point. We have seen a massive shift in how we as consumers consume. We've gone from an emphasis on ownership to an emphasis on access. And that's not to say paying for access is a super new concept. I mean, renting your apartment is paying for access to a home without ownership. A gym is access to fitness equipment without buying a Peloton. But the widespread adoption of smartphones has made it stupidly easy to enable push-button, on-demand access to massive libraries of literally whatever you want. So now it's not only more economical to subscribe, but much, much easier. Okay, let's go back to the buffet. Not literally, but for the analogy. 
How on earth does a buffet make money when the customers, people like you and me, can eat as much as our little hearts desire? You know, they don't bank on you eating all of it. And so you walk in and you can have your choice, but likelihood is you're going to have one, maybe two plates, get to uncomfortably full. You have the ability to watch, listen to, consume any art that's been made. Right? You've got the history of recorded music in your pocket. Mm-hmm. But the reality is you're not going to listen to it all. You, just, you can't. You're limited by time. And it's a similar thing as the Las Vegas Buffet, where you pay this fee, but the reality is you're not going to eat it all. Right. This is actually a pretty perfect analogy. Digital subscription services like YouTube Music, Spotify, iTunes have business models and economics that work very similar to a buffet. At a buffet, every time you eat a crab leg, the restaurant has to pay for that crab leg and its replacement. Now, on Spotify, every time you stream the song Baby Got Back, Spotify has to pay the creator, Sir Mix-A-Lot, a royalty. And like Sanjay mentioned, just like the buffet, most people aren't going to listen to all of the music that's available. You'll fill up your plate once, maybe twice, and go about your business. There is there is this this uh, sort of concept of breakage, and if you look at it, you know, from a per stream basis, you know, there's going to be some people that uh, stream so much that the per stream rate for that user is really low, and then there's going to be people that don't stream that much that you know maybe just listen to the top forty once a day for twenty minutes. Mm-hmm where the effective per stream is really high. Does that make sense? What Sanjay is saying is that there's some people that eat a lot, and there's others that eat very little. So the per-person cost to the buffet or the streaming service balances out to a reasonable average in the end. These music streaming buffets also provide flexibility. A buffet is an incredible place to go eat because you can mix a slice of pizza with pad thai without paying for two meals. Subscription services are similar, but for movies, TV shows, or music. I think people started opening up to the idea that you could just like one song on an album and just get that without right. you know, forking over a bunch of money. Now it's like you pay $10 a month and you can get anything. It's almost more inconvenient to steal the music yeah, than it yeah. is to spend $10. I mean, I think that's an amazing point. Right now, I think the line between this idea of subscribing and renting and owning is completely blurred. Hold up, Mahan. Slow down. What do you mean? I look at my iTunes and my Spotify, and I'm, I own that music in my head. It's mine. I've downloaded it. It's mine. I don't ever even think for a second, and I no longer own it which is such a seismic shift from I go to my parents' house in my childhood bedroom and I have literally binders of CDs still that I was like, this was my pride and joy was owning these CDs. I remember when Napster was getting shut down, we had one computer in the house with maybe 56K modem and I just downloaded music for like 12 hours straight because I was like, oh my God, you'll never be able to steal music again. It's always going to go back to the CDs. But it didn't. It went online. And now that all of this media is online and all of these different platforms exist, why choose YouTube Music over iTunes? 
In other words, now that the catalog of human creativity has been commoditized, why does it matter where you plug in to get it? If you take music services as an example, it's largely the same. We can all license the same 40, 45 million tracks from, from the labels. Put on a little plug for YouTube Music, and it is somewhat different in the sense that it, people have been uploading stuff to YouTube Music for the last decade plus. And so you've got stuff that you really can't license or find anywhere mm-hmm. else. But that nuance aside, um, you differentiate based on experience, right? Just like the Las Vegas buffet. Like, do you want to go to the buffet at the Cosmo? I think it's called Wicked Spoon, and I don't know why I know that. Uh, or do you want to go to the buffet at Treasure Island, right? Like, what kind of experience do you want to have? What kind of ambiance do you want to have? Um, you know, what, what do you want to pay? Ambiance is to a restaurant what features and functions are to a digital platform. But the best feature, the one that really seems to make one app more valuable than the other, is how easy it is to find what you are looking for. I think especially in an age where what seems to be your limited resource is time, right? Now that you have access to everything, your limited resource is time. I think the differentiator across services are the ones that help you get what you want as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And so you see all the music services really leaning into personalization, recommendation, playlists. And with music in particular, you're trying to set a mood or you're trying to you know, evoke an emotion in yourself or get into a focus mode to work mm-hmm. or get some pump-up jams to start your uh, pregame before you go out. Listen, iTunes, if I search for Tracy Chapman, Fast Car better be the one that shows up immediately. Another really cool thing about access to media becoming so easy is the flip side, the ability of an aspiring artist or creator to distribute their own content out to the world has also become way easier. You know, it used to be that you were sort of doing everything you could, beg, borrow, and steal to get heard, uh, to get distribution, to get your CDs on shelves. And if you didn't have the means to do that or the connections to do that, there wasn't a good chance you would get heard um, outside of maybe your your local area, your local community. You know, you play the coffee shop and maybe you could record tapes on your own and sell them after the show. I think with the advent of file sharing, the advent of streaming, now distribution's been solved, right? Like anyone overnight, right now we are recording this podcast and could be up within seconds. We could be live streaming this thing right now, right? right. So the fact that anyone can reach the entire internet connected population in an instant is pretty magical. Take a step back and think about that. It's pretty crazy that with just a few clicks, you can get your own music or your own movie online for pretty much the entire world to see. The subscription economy has democratized the opportunity to distribute your art. And believe it or not, if you're good, people will find you. And you have so many artists that just started by posting their stuff to YouTube. Yeah. From Justin Bieber, The Weeknd, Ariana Grande, right? All these artists started just making music and putting it up online. 
now anyone and anywhere can reach the entire connected internet population of the world, billions of people, instantaneously. There isn't someone standing in the way of you being able to reach people. We are not only content consumers, but we can also be content creators. We're not only eating the food at the buffet, we're cooking it up and we're serving our own as well. The most simple example of that may be, you know, social media platforms that we use. It's so easy to create content um, that, you know, most of the people that are on those platforms are creating at the same time as they are consuming. And the tools of creation are becoming more and more accessible. Um, And the education around how to create is becoming more and more accessible. I mean, we're you're doing a podcast right now. Right? We're creating. We're creating, exactly. And and so I do think that, you know, it's a really interesting phenomenon where you're not just taking, but you're also contributing. Mm-hmm. And this subscription economy has enabled that. I, I see there's, there's a lot of blurred lines because it's subscription economy, sharing economy, uh, those things are, there's not a hard line between them. I think it's like an interesting parallel between, you know, this this move from ownership to access. I I think the idea of owning things is becoming more and more passe Mm -hmm. uh, in a world where you can pay a lower amount to just access it. Exactly. Subscribing, renting, sharing, it's all replacing something that used to be important to us, ownership with something seemingly more important to us, access. The sharing economy is like having access to the clueless closet, and instead of it being just your own closet, you share it with thousands of other women. You pick something, you love it, you wear it for the day, put it back, and uh, never see it again. Who would dare use a clueless analogy on our podcast? Um, I am Gabby Cohen. I am the chief brand officer at Rent the Runway. Rent the Runway is the premier rental platform for clothing, and uh, you can rent items for a day, for a week, for a month, or a year, or rent your entire closet. Rent the Runway is an incredibly cool and disruptive company. It was born out of this idea that you didn't need to spend double your paycheck on an outfit you're going to wear once to a wedding. Why not rent that clothing and return it when you're done? Maybe someone else can use it for the next wedding. Now, Rent the Runway not only provides occasion-based clothing, but it also rents clothing you would wear every day, like a rotating, clueless closet that you share with other people. So far in this episode, we've been pretty focused on digital things, videos, music, podcasts. But subscription economies are not only for digital. There's Birchbox, a subscription for beauty products. Blue Apron, a subscription meal kit. And yes, Rent the Runway, a subscription for clothes. Rent the Runway takes subscription another step further. It facilitates sharing. You know, I think the idea that everything is moving to a shared economy, why does it have to strictly be for digital product. And and I think we feel that like there is a real space for for physical product here. Um, And 
if so much of the world is moving towards towards a sharing economy, this it just makes more sense. And and in addition, fashion is the second most wasteful uh, industry in the on the planet. So like, why are we not going to do better to create less waste and more use of the existing product? Renting clothing isn't much different or weirder than renting a city bike or a bird scooter, right? We're kind of used to it by now. I think people are, were primed for that, I think, through Airbnb, sleeping in other people's beds. I mean, listen, we've slept in hotels forever, but seriously, you've slept in hotels forever and, like, those aren't your sheets. So there has been an equalization um, and, and a level of comfort that has come with um, the sharing economy before this. I mean, listen, you think about workouts, you're riding on someone else's bike at a soul cycle. So there is a level of comfort that people have have had to, you know, commit to. And then I think clothing just has become a natural extension to that. All that said, I wouldn't get hung up on the items being physical or digital. Really, it still boils down to not having to own a product to have a meaningful experience with it. You know, I think people have become, and this is not new, but valuing experiences over things. And I think that's how they're starting to think about what they wear. Um, It's not about owning it forever. It's about wearing it for a day, whether that means you get photographed in it, whether it's you wear it to an event, whether it's you you wear it for an interview or just on a Saturday. Um, It's how you feel in it. It's not that you have to keep it forever. You're different people on different days. And I think committing to something to own forever is really hard to commit to um, in that you change your personality daily and you change how you feel daily you're going to feel like you want to change how you express yourself daily. I saw that Rent the Runway is now getting into products in the home as well that you're renting. So I think you mentioned bed sheets. I think that might be something you guys are getting into. Is that, could you talk to us a little bit about that? And also, you know, I'm kind Absolutely. of wondering, like, where does this stop, right? Like, it just... Never. It never ends. <laughs> um, you know, I think that their home is there is, is a way of expressing yourself first and foremost. I think living in a world where everything is is you know memorized on social and and certainly at a time during Corona when you're spending most of your time at home, um, you want to change your home the same way you would change your clothes. Again, it's a way of expressing yourself, and so changing throw pillows, changing a throw blanket. Why can't you think about, you know, updating your look instead of deeply investing in it and then storing it, right? We live in small apartments. The urbanization has continued. People are staying in cities longer. To store old throw pillows or to store an old throw, like that takes up a lot of storage space. So why can't you have the flexibility to switch that out um, and not have to deal with storage or dry cleaning? These platforms make our lives easier. A car sharing service like Zipcar or Toro provides the opportunity to use a car when you need it, but also pick the type of car you need at any given time, which is ultimate flexibility. Grocery delivery subscriptions eliminate the need to go to the grocery store and haul bags up to your third floor Avenue A walk-up between Houston and East 2nd Street. Content subscriptions like Hulu or Netflix provide massive libraries you would never be able to build or buy on your own. And you know what's the most important thing? I think it's about access, right? Like, I think for, you know, it's like, how do I have access to something? And whether that is like access and and it is fiscally responsible, is it access and it's, you know, because it is makes more sense for the planet, but it's like, how often am, am I going to need something and, and for and for what period of time and at what price? So I don't think that like for each person, it's different, right? Like, everyone's motivation is different. And so it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. You know, for for me personally, it's around access to things that I love at at an affordable price, but that I'm like tired of looking at my closet being full of stuff I don't want to wear. All right. 
We covered the subscription economy and sharing economy, but what's up with the future? How are these new models going to change the way we continue to live? Is there anything we will not subscribe to or share? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not sharing my underpants, right? So, like, that's, like, where I personally draw the line. I think there are unique objects that have still have value of ownership. Um, and I think those are the things that people attach some emotional or sentimental value to. Uh, and those are the sorts of things that I, I think will continue to be owned and are very personal, are very particular to a person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for example, might want to have a set of books that I absolutely love on my bookshelf at home because I love staring at the set of books that I've right. read that have really affected me. I'm just going to own those books. Um, similarly with artwork, I know there's art rental services, but if there's artwork that really affects you deeply, I think you're going to want to still own that. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that everything can't be a subscription. It's just that I think people are going to pick and choose what matters to them most and choose to own the things that matter to them most. That makes sense. There's some stuff that we just have this emotional or intrinsic tie to. But I actually think that list of things is getting smaller and smaller especially as our lives become increasingly nomadic and lightweight. I mean, we're already seeing it. You're going to start to see like aggregated libraries of things that people can just pay to access. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Rent the Runway is a fantastic example of that. Um, I think you're starting to see it with like home furnishing. Yep. Um, which always kind of existed. Now it just has a nicer... UX around it. <laughs> yeah, UX <laughs> around it. And, you know... A really seamless app experience to get it, get stuff into your home. As people tend to look at the waste that's happening, I think as well in our sort of owner, more ownership mentality world, they realize, you know what? I don't need to own. Like, not every person in this apartment building that we're in right now needs to own a screwdriver. Right. <laughs> All right. We probably only need one. Or, or 10 for the entire building, right? And so perhaps this building could have a tool library that is baked, and the price of those tools is baked into our monthly rent, mm-hmm. or the access to those tools is baked into our monthly rent. So I, I think that this, this whole idea of the subscription economy is going to change the way that we organize in community and how we spend money. I do believe that people are going to think um, from a sustainability perspective and a consumption perspective and how they can be smarter. And if that means that they are having dynamic ownership of products that they don't need to own forever, I think that's probably better for, for their pocketbooks and better for the world. Push this out a bit further. What about decades from now? How does all of this look? And so I think in the future, 30, 40, 50 years from now, I think of a life subscription, right? You're born and your basic (laughs) needs are taken care of um, just by virtue of the fact you're a human being uh, in, I don't know if governments or what kind of government will be, blurred borders, who knows. But you, your basic needs in that that lower tier of the, the Maslow pyramid, taken care of. 
as you go up that pyramid and you, you start thinking about your your relationships, your hobbies, your interests, I think that's where a more sort of paid subscription may come in. And I think people are going to start putting things together that suit their particular lifestyle and value set. And it's going to be less about, uh, you know, everyone's subscribing to the same set of services. And uh, I think more about people having sort of tailored things to the thing that they're into. Um, You know, if you are an athlete, uh, there will be a bundle of services that gets you all the sports equipment you need, your gym membership, your meal plan, uh, your entertainment services, your how-to services, your coaching services, all for one price. A life subscription. <laughs> that sounds crazy, but it doesn't seem that far off. We basically already have them. I subscribe to a music service, a food delivery service, a car rental, a gym, everything. And currently, it's just a la carte, like a buffet of subscriptions. Looking forward to how all these huge corporations are growing and consolidating, it's interesting to think about if or when they'll start to offer life subscription bundles. Look at what Amazon is already doing. With an Amazon Prime membership, you get access to two-day delivery on all of the stuff from their online store, but you also get discounts on groceries at Whole Foods, access to Amazon Prime Video and Amazon Music and eBooks on Kindle and photo storage and a subscription puppy service. (laughs) In the future, we might subscribe to Amazon or to Apple or Google or Uber as our on-demand life subscription provider. Let me ask you a big question. Big question on this. Is this not the same as picking a country and paying taxes and getting whatever <laughs> services once you're born? You're, you're, you're making me think of this in other, other analogies, like paying, is paying taxes a subscription service <laughs> to your country? Yeah, uh, I think so. I think yeah. you subscribe to the right to be here. Right? Am I subscribing to America I, right now? This is America. The parallel growth of subscription and sharing economies is not a coincidence. It's a result or reflection of a profound change in the way consumers behave and what we value, which in large part is driven by advances in technology, including the digitization of media and services and the widespread adoption of mobile phones and the internet. Both of these trends, subscription and sharing, are premised on access and convenience over all else. Why go to a movie store to rent a DVD when you can stream it on Netflix? Why own a car when you can use Uber? Why buy a CD when you can access the best songs off the album on Spotify? The sharing economy rids users of burden, of excess costs, of storage. It removes the burden of ownership. In fact, we could change the name of this trend to the access economy, or the post-ownership economy, or the push a button and get whatever I need, whenever I need it, wherever I am, without having to buy it or own it, economy. (laughs) Whatever we call it, the coolest thing about all of this is that maybe future generations will stop valuing ownership and things 
the way we do. Maybe they won't consider possessions as a reflection of self-value or self-worth. Hopefully, one day, who you are will always matter more than what you own. That is, of course, as long as you have that Amazon Prime Life subscription. <laughs> Today's episode was written and hosted by me, Mohan Zanuzi, produced by Kareen Javier and Lee Schneider, exec produced by Steph Wolf, music by Uvra. Thank you to our wonderful guests, Sanjay Amin and Gabby Cohen. You can find more Same Same on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever subscription or sharing economy service that you get your ear candy on. Thank you guys for listening. Spread love. This episode was brought to you in part by BCG Digital Ventures. BCGDV builds revolutionary new businesses with the world's most influential corporations. Learn more at bcgdv.com. Uh, tell me about your first time going to Burning Man. <laughs> uh, well, it was my first day at work. Uh, <laughs> it was a Google orientation. And my friend Mahan here sent me a text and he's, the text just says, Burning Man, question mark, say yes. <laughs> and so I said, yes. But you showed up in San Francisco. We like loaded up a rental car with stuff from Target. A minivan. Bikes. Yeah. <laughs> And we just rolled up. We got there at night, set up our tent at night, really crappily. There was dust everywhere. Um, and it was a magical experience. And here we are. And here we are. Here we are. <laughs> All right, guys, what do you think? Good stuff. Good stuff. You, you guys should have a podcast. <laughs>